Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire, the Leadership Development Podcast, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. All right, I'm so excited tonight to speak to my good friend, but not only a friend of the podcast, but the number one show on the Aspire podcast, CJ Reynolds. CJ, thank you so much for being on the podcast, man. Anytime, bro. This is great. (laughs) We've been talking for like 30 minutes, I swear, um, before I even push the record button. And it's so easy to talk with you. And I just find so much joy and value in, in our conversations. And, and I just appreciate the, the wisdom that you provide. And tonight, I really want to talk about what you've been going through this last nine months here of the pandemic and, and the struggles that you've been going through. And I think while we've been talking, I feel a little bit better about my own teachers because, you know, they've been really struggling with the virtual aspect. And our campus is 50-50, so we got 50% on the campus, then we got 50% virtual. But you've been all virtual since March, right? We went home on a Friday, thought we were coming back on Monday, never stepped foot back in the building wow. again. So it's been crazy. So what is that what has that been looking like for you? Because, you know, for for our end, you know, we've got teachers trying new tactics and strategies to try and get engagement. And I'll be honest, our teachers at first were trying to use the same strategies that they were in the classroom and not finding success and not trying to really change either as far as their instruction. So what are some things and what does your journey look like since the pandemic? Yeah. So I think one, that transition was so tricky mm-hmm. and no one knew what was going to work at first. Right. Yeah. And not to liken myself to, to a legend, but it was a little bit like Michael Jordan's really good at playing basketball on the court. Mm-hmm. But if you just gave him an Xbox controller or a PlayStation controller, like I don't know that he's going to be as good like in the virtual world as he would be on the scene on the court. So that's what it felt a little bit like. And so in the beginning, it was kind of fun, right? It was like, oh, first couple of weeks kind of felt like a snow break. I was teaching in pajama pants all day and like, you know, it was business on top, yeah. casual on the bottom. So it was like, you know, you dress like a mullet. And then that shifted to, oh crap, like kids have to learn something. The kids were like the apathy starts creeping in the day to day starts creeping in the not knowing how long this is going to go creeps right. in. So I kind of went nuts with it last year. So from March to the end of June, where I was making videos for my students every day, we were allowed to do asynchronous teaching last year. So I was able to make videos and use green screen and costumes and anything. My whole goal was, well, I know students don't want to show up to do work. But will they show up to see what in the world Reynolds did today? Like, where is this happening today? What is he going to have on now? What background is going to be there? And that was my draw was like, you know, it was like, uh, I don't know, it kind of felt like a punk rock show. It was like, we like, maybe you're not so sure whether or not this, this band's going to be good, but we know it's going to be wild. So let's go check that show out. And so that was, that was my game plan in, in the beginning. And so that worked well enough, but going into this year was like, man, like what if we're out the whole year? What does this look like at scale? So I think a couple of things became very clear in the beginning. One was that 12 to 14 hour days were not sustainable. And I did that for about the first three weeks of school because I didn't know anything about Schoology on. So we use Schoology primarily. There are five different ways to do any one thing on Schoology. And it's like, this is too much opportunity for too much too many options right sure. too simple and so it was learning that platform learning flipgrid and canva and nearpod all stuff i've never used before because i teach and 
inner city West Philadelphia. Like we don't, we're not one-to-one at our school for the freshmen. Sure. So I've, I've never had, I mean, technology, we laugh that technology in my classroom is we have light switches. That's right. the technology <laughs> in my classroom. My projector doesn't work half the time. I have to put notes on like giant pieces of foam core board to hold them up. So it was learning all that stuff was so difficult, but I will say the saving grace of all that was community was teachers online people pulling together, trying to figure stuff out together. My colleagues like doing phone calls late at night or, or in the middle of class, I'm in the zoom call. I don't know how to do this. Like, what am I doing? Cause it was just, you're freaking out. And that's, that's been most of the year. But I think the thing that's been the most fun this year is I have for better or for worse, I've pushed off every single thing that I'm supposed to do mm-hmm. to do just what is needed. Right. So all the emails, all the forms that they send me, all the grids and spreadsheets I'm supposed to fill out, that's all secondary to like our main premise, which is education's only ever about students, right? I've been saying this forever. And so if we keep that focused and it's like, what do kids need? How can I plan this lesson? So I haven't done a lesson plan all year, even though I'm supposed to, I haven't, there's a lot of things I've pushed off and I don't, I don't necessarily push for everybody to do this. I'm saying this is like, maybe go with the spirit of what I'm saying and not exactly what I'm saying, but like it is trying to just stay focused on students because our kids need so much right now. I don't think we knew how important being in school was until we didn't have it anymore. Like the social emotional aspect of just going to a safe space and being yourself with people that accepted you for who you were and not for who they wanted you to be, that didn't really, it, it didn't hit me. I knew it was important. I knew it was, it was there, but not on the level that I got until after we weren't allowed in the building. And so now we have to hone in and try and make those connections with students. And it's so much more important now than, than it has ever been. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up, CJ, because I wanted to touch on that because, you know, the social emotional piece is important. And I think there's so many teachers, you know, they're now invited into their students' homes. They're seeing a different perspective now than ever before. And, and that relationship building, what are some tactics that you use to work through getting to know your students in a, in a quick period of time, but then also having to do it online versus in person? It's much trickier. So for those that don't know me, I am always in the hallway Mm -hmm. at school constantly. So I think that part of making connections with students is just being visible, right? right? So if you think about the difference between the aunt or the older cousin or the uncle that you grew up around, that was always around, that when you had a problem, when you needed some advice, you could go to them. But the aunt, uncle, or cousin that came around just on holidays and like pinched your cheek, you're like, are you going to tell them that you broke up with your girlfriend? Like, this is never going to happen. It's just that familiarity. So we we gravitate towards things we're familiar with. And I also eat lunch with my students twice a day on two different preps. I have about 30 kids in my classroom, eat lunch in my classroom. And then my classroom is the hangout spot after school. So now I don't have any of that stuff anymore. So it becomes what, what now? So one of the things we did was I think it's important that students know you care. So it's like starting the year off, starting the week off, starting the day off, reminding kids, I want to be here. Like this isn't a burden. Mm -hmm. Um, And even if it's feeling like a burden, I think 90% of teaching is acting anyway, right? It's like when you have an argument with your wife on the way out the door or your kid throws up on your tie, you still got to show up to school and like, you know, have some semblance that you have it together. No one wants to know that, you you know, (laughs) you're having domestic disputes in the morning. Like, Get it together, man. Be an adult. So it is showing kids and telling them how much you care. It is taking 
just moments out of class. It doesn't have to be the whole thing to just ask like, yo, what did everyone do last night? Or, or if you find out something kids are interested in. So right now, my students, this is so funny to me too, because I wouldn't think, I, I know my students and I know what they're into. Everyone's real into Cobra Kai right yeah, now, yeah. Right? which is not like, I watched the first season I thought it was amazing, but they didn't grow up with, they grew up with Jaden Smith Karate Kid, not yeah. Ralph Macchio Karate Kid, right? Correct. The fact that they love this so much. So I didn't watch the second or third season, but they are, that's all they talked about yesterday or two days ago. So mm-hmm. last night I went and watched like the whole, not the whole thing, but a bunch of the second sure. season so that I could show up and say, all right, yo, I'm not done yet, but real quick, before we get started in class, I don't understand this. Or do you guys know that in the original movie or in the third one, this happened? And so it was just this conversation about something they knew or Christmas gifts. I don't buy one Christmas gift from my kids that I don't run by my students first <laughs> to say, Yo, does anybody know about this video game? Or I'm trying to pick between these two different things. Like what you do is you're putting students in the role of the professional. They're the ones in the know and you're going to them for help. And I think any time that we can enter into the world of the students before we ask them to enter into our world of education, we're winning because we're showing an actual interest, an actual connection. And we're showing kids stuff like Oh, you mentioned that show? Yeah, I'm going to go watch it. Like, yeah, I watched all of, you know, The Last Airbender. Yeah, I watched all of, uh, well, not all of it, because Dragon Ball Z is an incredibly long show, but like <laughs> like 90 million episodes. There but like, is, yeah. I've watched it, and not because I want to. Like, these are things my wife comes home, and she's like, dude, what are you watching? I'm like, listen, <laughs> watching this for the children right now. It's and so, me. yeah, yeah, it's re- that's why, I'm, just because I have a Dragon Ball Z poster in <laughs> Uh, no, it's, like it's doing those sorts of things and then doing that at the end of class too right Ma- leaving those moments to do that is the biggest thing and i find that you know because we're synchronous and because we're online if i finish class 10 minutes early and i let kids go i usually just have dudes that hang out and they want to ask yo what did brody think about that thing did you give it to him for christmas that's what everyone wanted to know did we get the thing that we said we were going to get for brody right. did you watch more of this show, Bro- Reynolds, if you like that show, I got another one for you. And it's the snowball effect where you become, you know, the trusted adult in their life or one of them. It's like slowly but surely how I've been working it out this year. You talked about like 50 different technology tools <laughs> that you had to learn quickly yeah. in a short period of time. And I know that was overwhelming for our teachers, especially for those who weren't tech savvy. And they had to quickly learn all these different tools. And then they got overwhelmed to the point where they had to then reassess and figure out, okay, which ones are, are the ones I'm, I'm good at or the, the students are connecting with. And then I'm going to kind of hone in on those. So was that a similar process for you? Or did you just like keep all these tools throughout the, the entire year? Yeah. So since we're using Schoology, I try and find things that I can embed in Schoology. What I don't want students to do is have to leave the site, because sometimes the links don't work. Sometimes it's more confusing that way. So that, that was tricky. I also started with like six things I was using to try and really diversify it and, and have things that would fit different student needs. And I realized that that was too much learning too fast. So what we did was we started with, we had Schoology and we'd maybe just use Edpuzzle mm-hmm. a lot in the beginning. Yep. And then it was just Kahoot for a while. And then what I also found was that they were losing their luster. So you can do Kahoot a few times and it's fun, but then it's like, we're like, how many times are we going to do the yeah. same kind of thing? Even that idea was like, I can ring this bell long and hard until 
all right, we're done with that. And then we move on to something else. Sure. I think the other piece of that is figuring out how to sprinkle magic on some of those things. So like in Kahoot, Kahoot music becomes the worst, especially when you listen to it five times a day. Yeah. So I find my own music and I play it on top of it. So I told the students that I was really into 1970s grocery store music. Guys, <laughs> what are you talking about? Reynolds, what are you even talking about? Guys, I'm not kidding. You, have you ever listened to this? Dude, this jam is sweet. <laughs> and then I, that's what I would play under the Kahoot. Okay. And then I would pull up like, um, if you just Google soundboards on Google, you get all these different wild soundboards that are like winning sounds and losing sounds. So if someone gets it right, if someone gets it wrong, there's either a bell or there's like the wah, wah, or, or video game sound. So you're still using the same thing, but you're figuring out how to layer it with other stuff so that it kind of doesn't lose its luster. Or every other teacher today might use Kahoot, but they didn't do it like Reynolds did Kahoot today. And so that's, you know, you find ways to kind of sprinkle magic in, in that way too. No, I love that example. You know, we've obviously had to change education quickly and and it looks completely different. And, you know, you're talking about asynchronous work and, you know, creating videos and backwards design. So after we get done with this, whenever that may be, what are some things that you feel like you're you're going to keep as far as your practices moving forward when it becomes in person again? Yeah, that's that's such a great idea. So I think one of the things I'm working on now is we're synchronous, but there's always kids that show up 10 minutes late, right? And then instead of going back and telling them directions, what I've started doing is recording myself in the beginning of class on Zoom and then I, or on Zoom or just like on my webcam or however I'm doing it, right? And then I just put that in my Schoology file so that students can see those directions. They can just go back and watch it. They don't have to wait for me. Someone's out sick, somebody you know, whatever the situation is, right? Mm -hmm. That is already there. So having this online thing to pull from has been really, really interesting. And I want to figure out a way to do that. And then I think one of my favorite apps, um, I have no affiliation with them at all, is Flipgrid because students speaking in front of the class is tricky. Students speaking on Zoom is almost impossible. Like if you have any sort of anxiety disorder, you have some sort of like learning difference, it's really nerve wracking for kids to get on and do that sort of thing. But Flipgrid, you're alone in your house. There's nobody around. You can still record yourself. And I've had kids that because of, you know, something in their IEP or, or whatever sure. that have handed stuff in because they could do it at home because we could do ghost stories and not read it in front of the class, but like set the filter, go under their covers, be in the basement. Now it becomes like an event and who's going to do it cooler or, or better or funnier. That's been a really fun tool to mess with that. I didn't, I didn't even think kids would do it, but the, the level that they took it to was like, Oh, all right, this is kind of awesome, man. Um, and I, I think that's something I would absolutely do when I go back. You had talked about, you know, kids having, a tough time on Zoom speaking. And I love what you said about Flipgrid, by the way, um, because we found the exact same thing. Like we've gotten so much more input on that program than anything else. But as far as collaboration, our, our teachers are having a difficult time getting students to collaborate with each other in Zoom. And you can do the breakout rooms and you know you may love that option or not. And we found a new feature where the kids can actually pick now the groups that they can get into for breakout rooms. And so we're trying to explore that. But I didn't know if there was any other things that you've been doing to kind of enhance collaboration with students online versus, you know, obviously it's really easy to do in the classroom. So that is, it's the hardest thing. So I'll say there's, there's two answers to this. One is I'm okay with not 
getting to where I really want to get to this year, Mm -hmm. right? Like, like if I don't get through all the material, if I don't get the level of engagement, if I can't win, like I do in the, cause I got like pretty good at teaching. I've been only teaching the ninth grade for the last 15 years. And I got good at, at what I did now it's completely different, but this is like, it's a temporary thing. Right. So I feel, I kind of feel like I'm driving a hoopty, like I'm 17 again. And I'm like driving some hoopty and it's like, I'm not waiting for this car to last forever. Like when I used to take that car to the shop, it was like, you can either, I remember a guy saying, I can fix your muffler, like replace it, or I could fix it with a hanger. Yeah. Bro, put a hanger on that thing. Cause I'm not, <laughs> that's what I feel like is happening right now. It's like, yeah. let's get the kids. Let's keep teaching them stuff. Let's move the needle. But if we don't win on the level we usually do, it's okay. Mm-hmm. So that, that I think is important to note. The other thing is, it has to be about building community because the reason students I think aren't really engaged is because they're not interested or because they don't want to say anything in front of everyone. Because now, even if your camera's not on, it's like, there's just that level of it's, it's awkward. Right. Mm-hmm. And if any staff meeting I go to like 95% of the cameras are off in those meetings too. Cause it's weird, yeah. right. To sit there and like, you don't know who's watching you or whatever. One of the things that I do to build that kind of community is, when they're in breakout rooms, there's always someone that's done first. And I have no problem ever making just random conversation with students. And right. And you, again, you do it by asking them questions about things they care about and that they know about, like, yo, what game are you playing right now? Like if you had like on your phone, what game are you playing right now on Xbox, PlayStation, what show is like the show right now, or what movie are you watching? Or this week it was, uh, Hey, who watched soul, right? Cause everybody was watching soul over, over winter break. When you do that, then somebody else comes out of it you know, when they're done in their breakout room, they come in, yo, Hey, what's up, man? We're just talking about soul. Have you watched it yet? Oh, we're uh, so like, what was, what did you think about it? So slowly you are, it's just one person. Then it's just two people. Then it's just three people. And it slowly accrues to you get to this point where you're just talking about regular stuff before they leave. And some kids really stay for a long time. Other kids don't, but they still engage because you have to, because every time you're new and you show up, Hey, this is what we're talking about. And like, it's something the kids came up with. I didn't invent it. Um, And that has created a vibe where like, when we are in class, I get more engagement, not, I never get total engagement. Right. So like, I I just want to say like, I feel like I'm pretty good at what I do, but I never have a hundred percent engagement, like 75%, bro. I'm happy with 75% because in school, I don't know who's really engaged in any way. They can be thinking about swimming pools, the whole class. Like, you know, just (laughs) because you're looking at me doesn't mean you're paying attention. So I feel pretty good about that, but then that 75 is good. And then the other 25 is when you start making like phone calls home, communicating with students directly. So you're always trying to pull those other dudes in, but like, that's, that's kind of how it's been working so far this year. Sure. And I saw you post on Instagram about an interesting topic on crucial conversations within the classroom. And obviously the climate of our country is pretty difficult as far as in the election and whatnot. And of course, what happened today, Um, both me and you were watching the news tonight on, on the Capitol. And you know that that conversation is probably going to be brought up tomorrow. So, you know, for those difficult conversations and topics, do you shy away from those or how do you go about those difficult topics when they're brought up by the students? Yeah, never. I never, I think that the quality of your relationships is usually based on the difficulty of the conversations that you can have. So black lives matter was happening. 
Um, a young black man was shot in Philadelphia by white police officers. The next day we go to school and I bring it up and I'll talk about how I did that in a moment. But like at the end of the day, I was going to talk about it with my last class, but I figured they'd like had talked about this at nauseum by now. Right. Sure. So I just ask and I go, guys, I was going to bring this up. Have you talked about this in every single class? And every kid, 100% of my students said, no, we haven't talked about this in any classes yet today. And I thought you have got to, and there's no diss to my my faculty. I work with really, really wonderful people, but like, it's just uncomfortable. So you talk about when Me Too was out and I'm a a man trying to address Me Too, right? Awkward. And I teach all boys. Um, Being a white male talking about Black Lives Matter, not everybody feels comfortable with that. Now, I mean- there's this huge conversation around white privilege and the folks that are in the Capitol building right now and like how that's being handled. I never shy away from that stuff. I don't shy away from it because of this, because I don't need to have answers. Mm -hmm. And my opinion doesn't matter. It's only ever about students. So what I do instead is say, whether it was the Black Lives Matter movement, whether it was the particular shooting that happened and the looting and the rioting and all that that was happening in Philadelphia, it becomes, guys, did you see this? on tv last night did everyone everyone knows what's going on everyone caught it um how what are you thinking about this what are you how are you feeling about this and then it becomes you facilitating the conversation not being a dictator but a facilitator and you are working with kids on things like active listening skills right so you might work in a school where nobody has the same political spiritual views that you do right, right. but that doesn't matter if you have kids that are like Trump supporters and you have kids that are Democrats, you can stop someone and say, nope, we're going to listen to someone's entire argument. It can't be hateful and it can't be hurtful on purpose, right? We have to respect the dignity of the people in the room, but this is a safe space for everyone. But if you really want to argue back to someone, what you have to do is listen to everything. This is the first thing they tell you in marriage counseling. Um, I heard that from a friend, not that I've been to marriage, no. <laughs> but like the first thing they tell you is, You have to listen to everything your spouse says, and then you have to listen so well that you can say it back to them. So you say, what I'm hearing is, and then you can refute. But in doing that, that's a smarter way to argue too, because you're collecting all the data. You're really listening and you don't stop halfway through to just start thinking about what you want to say next. So creating that space in the classroom, you really become like, the DJ of the classroom, and you're facilitating this conversation, you're making sure that people get heard, you're making sure that just because a kid needs a second to process and think that someone's not going to talk over him. Mm -hmm. So I think that it is, it's crucial that teachers allow these conversations to happen in their classrooms. But it's not important for them to share how they feel, what they think, what their point of view is. It's, you know, the biggest piece is, we have to understand that sometimes young people, sometimes not in every household, but they are, they are told as my favorite, one of my favorite poets, Anis Mojgani says, speak when spoken to, but then they're never spoken to. Yep. And when that happens, you are not giving kids the chance to talk about things that they don't realize that what is mentionable is manageable. And so giving them that opportunity to share, to get it out, not to, not to get to an end. There's no like grade. There's no like, okay, Thank God we handle Black Lives Matter today. I mean, does everyone feel better in here? Like, you're not trying to get to that space. You're just trying to create that safe space where you can explore and express your thoughts and feelings on any given topic. And that's what our classroom is. It's a space for everyone. And I think if you have that in mind, if you go in having the conversation and it's 
focused on the kids, mm-hmm. then it's okay. And you find that nothing that bad ever happens. Like, even right. if there's an argument, it's cool. Like, yeah. because, you know, I don't want to be the old guy that says, that's what's wrong with our country. But to be honest, that's what's wrong with the world when we have this sort of cancel culture, because we're, we've, we've lost the ability to listen to one another fully and to have thoughtful responses and to have a discourse about something instead of just shutting someone down because of what they think or feel. And we can help this next generation become the generation that actually learns how to have those conversations. Yeah, it's such an important skill. And I just love the culture that you're building with your students and using these different conversations to empower them to be able to share. Because like, like you said, I don't think there's many opportunities for them to actually have that voice. May it be deciding your gift for your kid or, you know, this is a really cool show that that I love and I'm going to share that with you or, you know, I'm really passionate about this topic and it could be anywhere from pollution to Black Lives Matter. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter what the topic is. If they're passionate about it and they have a, a voice within your classroom, what power that is for them to have that opportunity. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. I want to talk about your year because you've been doing some phenomenal things and, you know, we just got done with 2020. I haven't seen you in person for a whole year, which is crazy. Yeah. And you're just doing some awesome, awesome things. So I want to know about the world of Reynolds. So you know, what are you up to right now and what projects are you involved with? So this year has been so crazy. And, you know, I, like I was saying this just before we, we hit record, mm-hmm. it's almost it's hard to say in some respects how great of a year I had in 2020 when I know so much of the world didn't have yeah. such a year. But I think in that I am I'm eternally optimistic. And so, you know, you look at something like Black Lives Matter, right? I know I get it, man. I'm a, I'm a middle aged white guy. I teach in West Philadelphia. And it was, that was a tough thing to kind of live through, right? But like, what am I going to tell people I had a tough time with Black Lives Matter? Because no one wants to hear it. I don't even want to hear it from myself. But what I can do is realize that when that happened, it was such an amazing time to give students my platform. So we just started like, I just started having students post on my Instagram account. I didn't awesome. need to say anything. It was like, you you do it. Here, yep. Put your words. I'll edit it for spelling because I know who you are. But then you pick the picture, you pick the content, and I will push it out. Having a lot of those conversations has been really, really wonderful and really uh, something that I've been able to personally grow from. You look at stuff like when everyone went to virtual, I mean, all these big businesses needed people to to do, like they needed to be online yesterday. So it was being able to partner with a lot of really like amazing companies and not just me, like tons of friends of mine that are like, you know, it's such a weird thing to call yourself an influencer, but influencers in the yeah. social space, like you are, that are <laughs> working with companies like Houghton Mifflin Har- Harcourt or Verizon. I didn't, I denied Verizon's email three times because I thought it was nonsense. I thought it was spam. And they were like, dude, do you know, like we're Verizon trying to reach out to you. And I was like, oh, like the real, oh, I thought it was just like some dude, like trying to sell your phone. <laughs> so yeah, working with College Board and Verizon and we just did it. We're doing a deal with Samsung right now. And that has been so fun. I'll say this, growing my business, growing Real Rap with Reynolds has been the most amazing lesson I've ever been able to teach my students because they saw when I had no one following me on YouTube. I had three followers, three subscribers. I'm pretty sure two of them are my grandmother because she wanted me to, she wanted to bolster my self-esteem. <laughs> and then 
in the last year, I mean, working with those brands, my book coming out, I have kids that are in college, students that are in college that are like hitting me up and they're like, Reynolds, I can't believe like you really did it. And I'm like, bro, from nothing, from making videos on my iPhone four, when like that was generations past wherever the hell the iPhone was at the time. <laughs> editing everything on my iPhone. Like I didn't even have a tripod. I would stack chairs and have kids hold them still and then prop books on top because I didn't have a tripod. And like, that's been so fun to do. And then, you know, in the last year I finished, I ran 403 days in a row, which was a challenge. When I met you, I was out running in, yeah. in the morning in Ohio. And it's just been a lot of that kind of personal growth and business growth this year. That's been really wonderful and has allowed me you know, part of the, our focus in our company is to really find ways to be of service um, and not to just make money. And, and that this year has provided opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to reach out, to help people, to help, let them be heard. And that's been deeply, deeply gratifying. That's awesome, man. Well, I can't praise you enough for the work that you do. You help so many people with you know what you do on YouTube and Instagram and all the different social media outlets that, that you post on. And uh, I absolutely love your book, by the way. I have it on my bookshelf right there. I'm looking at it. Anyone that is looking for a great resource for a classroom teacher, make sure that you're getting that book by CJ Reynolds. Um, Real Rap with Reynolds is on YouTube. Where else can they find you, man? Uh, we're all, you just type me into Google and it's, you know, because every, you know, and, uh, Ignore the things that look like rap because everyone thinks I rap, but uh, it turns out I don't. It's not a skill I possess, you know. It's, uh, oh, <laughs> so yeah, real rap with Reynolds and Google will take you to the website. It'll take you to YouTube, Facebook group, the live feeds on Sunday nights that we do on YouTube and everywhere else. They'll, they'll find us. Perfect, and I'll have all those links in the show notes and uh, make sure I'll have your uh, your book from Amazon on there too, and they can click on that and find that wonderful resource. CJ, it is always a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you for being on the Aspire podcast. Got it, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for the work you're doing. It's important, and I, I appreciate you.